0: A reading from the book of Matthew, chapter 9. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for twelve years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned, and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went through all that district. You may be seated.
1: Hello, Rice City Church. Morning, how are you guys? Good. Um, We did this in the first service. I'm gonna do it again, and I'll do it again later today for the third, but um, Jason and I, this morning, were praying over the service, the the preaching today, and we were both just sensing in our spirits what we kind of coined as uh, tells, like, you know, like a poker tell. I'm a pastor, so I don't play poker, but I, I, (laughs) you know, I've heard that you call them a tell. Um, We we felt a tell this morning um, through various things that the enemy is just moving against what God might want to do here today. Um, so, and I feel that, frankly, in my own soul and self. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to begin today praying over this space and moment, okay? Holy Spirit, would you come? In the name of and authority of Jesus, the enemy has no place within these walls. In the name and authority of Jesus, the enemy has no place in our hearts or our minds or our spirits. He must leave right now and go straight to Jesus. And he'll deal with the enemy. Holy Spirit, would you move and speak through me? Whatever you need to speak to the room, speak it, Lord. And leave whatever else is unhelpful. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In the mid-60s, a guy named John Wimber was radically saved and came to Jesus. He was in the rock and roll drug scene, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. That was his life, and he came to Jesus radically. And there's this famous story of this interplay between how he came to faith and the initial uh, pastor who was pastoring him at the time. He came with that, uh, that raw, kind of unchurched, unchurched language, uncensored questions to his pastor as he began to get discipled. He began to say things like, Pastor, you know God wrote a book? Yeah, John, he wrote a book. It's called the Bible. That's cool. Pastor, do you know that the book, it's all about Jesus? Yes, John, that's great. You're learning, right? But then he famously asked his pastor, okay, I've read the book. I'm learning about Jesus. When do we do the stuff? When do we do the Jesus stuff? And his pastor said, Oh, we don't do the Jesus stuff. We just read about the Jesus stuff in the book. And that planted in John Wimber a seed of discontent that moved over years and planted and started the vineyard movement in California that saw hundreds of thousands of people, excuse me, thousands of people, let's not be dramatic, thousands and thousands of people get healed and delivered through that ministry. Seeds of discontent asking that simple question, when do we do the Jesus stuff? When do we do the Jesus stuff? Today, we're concluding our series on prayer, and today we're talking about healing prayer. And even as I say the words healing prayer, a lot of you, rightly so, are probably feeling uncomfortable. And I'd like to just ask you as we begin to do your best to just come today with an open heart and open mind. I'm gonna do my best to not come with agenda, but come with just the scripture. What is God saying for the church right now? And so I know there's baggage, you're feeling in the room. I'm just gonna ask you to put that aside and just ask God, can I just hear this with fresh ears today? Sound good? Okay, thank you. Breeze on board, let's go. All right. Four things I wanna do today. I'm just gonna give you my outline right from the get-go. Uh, I first want to talk and show you that healing prayer was biblically normal and should be biblically normal today in the church. Second, after we deal with the Scripture, I want to dig into the core heart-level objections. Because I think in the room, typically, we might have some biblical objections, but deeper, there's heart-level objections, And third, I want to call us not to be a charismatic church. There's nothing wrong with a charismatic church per se, but that's not my win today, that we would be a community of faith, that we would be a church of faith. And last, I'm going to invite us at the end of the service into bold response, bold response. Let's first start with the first point, healing prayer is biblically normal. I'm gonna spend some time looking at the scriptures today, but before I do, I wanna share a little bit about my own story theologically. I came to faith when I was 12 years old. Funny story about that. My mother-in-law was one of my Sunday school teachers, and she prayed that I wouldn't come to Sunday school. Just a, a, a picture of the kind of kid I was before I came to Jesus. <laughs> she was wrong. God had other plans, um, I came to faith when I was 12 years old, and I came to faith in a church and in a community that was a Bible church. Some of you know what I mean. There was a, a, a good culture of elevating the Word of God, right? This is not our feelings. This is us submitting to what God says. And what that did in me really positively was it gave me a, a view of how beautiful Scripture is It gave me a view of the right guidelines, the theologically, this is how you think clearly and correctly about who God is and his character. Lots of good things. But there was a problem in my heart and in many others in that culture. There was an overemphasis on correct thinking and an underemphasis on correct living. Maybe some of you can relate to that. As I came to faith, my story began to shift from this rebellious, rough kid to this legalistic smarty who did not know how to deal with other people who disagreed with him. I didn't know how to relate to my non-believing co-workers. I loved reading theological works. I loved reading Paul, but I was completely a novice at walking with Jesus. I could read Paul, but I couldn't tell you much about the character of the living God. I had knowledge and correct doctrinal thinking, but I lacked the character for God to trust me with his power and authority. And thank God he didn't give me that (laughs) during that season. For those of us who have been in the church a long time, we get really good at what I call cartwheels. If you've, if you've grown up in the church or you've been in the church for a while, we get really good at reading the Bible, knowing our theology, but sometimes that can backfire on us because we begin to cartwheel around the things in Scripture that make us uncomfortable. And I'm going to tell you something I feel uncomfortable with in my own life today. I read the New Testament, and I read about that church experience, and I look at my own life, and I say, there is a huge gap. Anyone else? There is a huge gap. And I think when we stop cartwheeling away, when we read the New Testament with childlike faith, with obedient faith, This is what it has for us. We are meant to move in the same healing power of Jesus because we have the same Spirit. We are meant to move in the same healing power of Jesus because we have the same Spirit. Are amens okay today? Can we amen that? All right, you guys are scared of me. Come on, let's go. That's nice to say. But if we're meant to move in the same spirit, here's the question for us. Do we want the real thing or the comfortable thing? Church, do we want the real thing or the comfortable thing? Because I am telling you, they are not the same thing. Let's talk about the Bible for a bit, huh? Let's talk about the Bible for a bit. I'm going to take a bit of a risk as a communicator. I'm going to read a lot of Bible to you. So I'm asking you, as a friend, don't fall asleep because you'll hurt my feelings, okay? I'm going to try to read it with some passion and some speed so we'll get through it. But I want you to see beyond any shadow of a doubt that healing now is biblically normal. Are you with me? Sound good? Okay, let's read. If you want to pull, we have Bibles on these tables near you. If you want to open the Bible today, today's a good day for it. Go to Luke chapter 4. I'm going to start in Isaiah, but if you want to camp in Luke chapter 4, you'll be able to follow along with me. Okay, before Jesus is on the scene, here's Isaiah 53. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What is he saying? The kingdom of God is about to break through because of me. That's what Jesus is saying. Redemption, forgiveness, freedom, and healing are about to come into this world in a way they have never had before. That's what Jesus just said. Next scene, okay? Next scene, Luke chapter 4, verse 38. Jesus left the synagogue. First thing he does, went to the home of Simon. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left. She got up at once and began to wait on them. That's a servant's heart, you know. Get right up and get back to work. Luke 5, verse 12. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell to his face on the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone. Can you imagine this is, I think we can laugh at this part. You've had leprosy all your life. You get healed from your leprosy. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> Don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet, news spread about him all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. Luke 5. I got a couple more chunks and then I'm done. Okay, I promise. You're you're doing a good job. No one's falling asleep yet. Thank you. Luke 5, verse 17. One day Jesus was teaching. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles in the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Those are good friends. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or get up and walk. But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Interesting, today, back then, the problem was forgiving sin. Today, the problem is healing, I think. I think a lot of us are comfortable with the forgiveness stuff. We're a little uncomfortable with the healing stuff. I digress. Luke 6, last one. Last one, Luke 6, verse 17. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, Jerusalem, and the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him, healing them all. I'll stop there. I think you're all with me. Good job. Do you get the point? I could keep going. That's just a chunk of Luke. That's one of the four gospels. I could keep going, but I won't. Don't worry. The ministry of Jesus was preaching and teaching about the kingdom of God. But it was also showing the kingdom of God through healing. It was preaching and teaching the kingdom as well as showing the kingdom through healing people. That was the ministry of Jesus. Now, I want to spend a little bit of time addressing some biblical questions or objections you might have. These are not the heart objections yet. We're going to get there, but I want to first just walk through some objections or questions you likely have and hopefully answer them for you. You might be saying, well, Russ, that was Jesus that's the Son of God. We can't be expected to do what he did. Okay, to the Bible again, the healing ministry of Jesus continues on past Jesus into the 12, into the 72, and into the early church at Pentecost. Well, you might say to me, okay, this is a hypothetical conversation. We're just out of coffee shop. You're asking me a bunch of questions. I have great answers. I'll prepare for you, Okay. But that was the outpouring of Pentecost. Not today. Well, past Pentecost, Paul wrote a letter to the church in Corinthians, the the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians. um, Those verses that a lot of us don't like, those chapters that we don't like, uh, 12, 13, and 14, all about the spiritual gifts. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Um, This one's for free, by the way. Why would Paul write so much about the spiritual gifts if they're supposed to stop? food for thought. Um, Paul writes to the Corinthian church because the normal thing that's happening in the church in Corinth is supernatural outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's their normal. And he's writing them, and this is my, my translation, okay? Hey, guys, chill out a bit. Stop being so weird. Think about the person coming in who hasn't seen this before. You're welcome. That's my translation. That's basically what he's saying in those chapters. He is in no way saying, stop operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. He's basically saying, guys, it is weird when the Holy Spirit works. It is weird already when the supernatural meets the natural. Don't bring your weirdness to the table and scare people away. Again, my translation. Okay. This is what he says in chapter 14, verse 1. Pursue love. And earnestly, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, including but not limited to healing. But Russ, those are biblical times. You guys keep throwing me these objections. Goodness. Those are biblical times. Things don't work like that anymore. In 2011, New Testament scholar Craig Kinnear and Ada Thompson, both theologians at a little university called Asbury University, you may have heard of it, they wrote a book called Miracles, The Credibility of the New Testament Accounts. I'm going to read these numbers off to you so I get them right. This is a two-volume, 1,172-page book, Books cataloging Miracles happening in modern times, all dependent on credible outside witnesses. The person being healed doesn't count. It has to be a credible outside witness to make it in the catalog. The bibliography is 165 pages. The bibliography is like the footnotes at the end of the book, there's 165 pages of those footnotes at the end. The point of the book. Is recording hundreds of millions of people throughout the world in current times being healed. Let me ask you are there hundreds of millions of our brothers and sisters through the world just hyping it up? Are there hundreds of millions of our brothers and sisters just lying for attention? I don't think so. I don't think so. I could point you to the scholarly work, I could point you to the world abroad, but I could also point you to our community, guys. I've talked to and know people here who have been delivered. I've talked to and know people here who have been healed. God still heals today. And this might be your, the last objection. I think this is the most important. Russ, if Jesus wanted us to heal, why wouldn't he just say so? Why not make it clear? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> John 14, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father, Matthew 17, truly I say to you, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. This has been a really good coffee date, thank you. Some observations from me, 40%, 40% of the New Testament stories of Jesus are stories of healing. I'm not a strong math guy. That's almost half, right? 40%, close to half, right. Another observation, there's no formula. Sometimes Jesus speaks with authority. Be healed and the person is healed. Sometimes Jesus spits in the mud, rubs the mud on someone's eyes, asks them how's it going. Nope, still can't see. Okay, here's another one. Now we're good. There's no formula. But here's the point of all this. Healing is core to the ministry of Jesus and his disciples. And some of you who are, who are opposed to what I'm saying today, here's my, my one question for you today, okay? Just one question to, to, to bury in your heart and take from here. If healing was central to the ministry of Jesus, the disciples, the Church of Acts, and the majority world right now, shouldn't healing be a bit more central to the Western church's ministry. If it was normal for Jesus and everyone else following, shouldn't it be normal for us? So that's the space of theology in the Bible. Let's shift a little bit and let's get to the heart objections I think that are in the room today. When I talk about healing prayer, many of you in your bodies Literally feel tense and uncomfortable because you have experienced spiritual abuse by the guy up front who's healing. And I just want to say to you today I'm sorry that's happened to you. I see you and I'm genuinely sorry. I'm going to rabbit trail here for a bit and talk about leadership and emotional health in the church. We say often, and it is true, that Jesus is the lead pastor of our church. Amen? Anyone heard that before? We believe that here, it's true. However, also, the guy up on stage, because of our roles, we bear authority and power. None of you would experience abuse or hurt if their power was not in the equation. And I want you to know, we as leaders here own that reality own that we have stuff and we're not trying to hide it. We are trying our best to steward our authority and our power. But we're not going to hide that we don't have it because that's how people get hurt. Wherever there is power, wherever there is authority, there is opportunity for flourishing or abuse. Flourishing or abuse. Our cultural lie right now is that wherever power is, there is abuse. That's wrong. The God we worship is full of power, amen? Amen. But where the power and authority is, there is space for abuse or flourishing. And one more thing I'll say to you, abuse is not exclusive or limited to one denomination. Some of you have been hurt by the charismatic church. Me and mine, my family and I, we were deeply hurt by the Bible church, One side, there's an authority connected to the scripture and the word of God. Whoever wields it the best has the power. On the other side, the person who wields the power of the Holy Spirit has the power. It's as if in the middle is the person who is fallen and broken. How are they submitting their inner character to Jesus? That's the question. So I need to tell you today, if you've been hurt by the charismatic church, if you've been hurt by the Bible church, do not let hurt, or past abuse derail you from your spiritual destiny in Jesus. Let it lead you to lead the church to a new place of discipleship and inner character formation where we stop hurting one another. Second heart level objection is inner doubt that Jesus will really heal through a person like me. Fear that God will say no. I'm going to reread for you the section of Scripture that Brie read for us as we began. Matthew 9, starting in verse 18. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. Skip to verse 23. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said... Go away, for the girl is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him. And they laughed at Jesus. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose, and the report of this went through all of the district. Can you imagine people laughing at Jesus in that moment? It's so interesting. Jesus healed people around other people all the time. But in this moment, they're laughing at him. And he doesn't heal the girl until the people who are laughing at him are removed from the room. It is as if he is removing the spirits of doubt and cynicism so he can do his work. And here is the point, and this is the reality of our faith that can absolutely be abused, but we have to wrestle with it, there is a connection between our faith and God moving. You cannot read the New Testament and come away with another conclusion. Where there is faith, God can move. Now, does faith guarantee God will move? And that is where there's harm. How many of you have talked to me as a pastor like I come from a background where they said this is happening in my life because I didn't have enough faith. Get out of here. I'm so sorry that's, that's been told to you. Faith in Jesus to heal is not certainty that he will heal. But faith is still connected to God moving. Are you, are you hearing the tension there? I want to give you a logical syllogism, which is a hoity-toity way of saying just a train of thought, okay? I want to give you just a train of thought that I think will help us today. If we don't believe in miracles, we won't pray for miracles. And if we won't pray for miracles, we won't see miracles. Are you with me? This is the cycle of doubt that I think grips us in our cultural moment. I don't really believe God will do it, so I'm not really gonna ask him. I'm not gonna have faith that he'll do it or ask him, and then I won't see it. And we just keep completing the cycle of doubt because we don't believe or have faith that he will do it. James 4.2 says, you do not have because you do not ask God. When Jesus visits his hometown, This is what happens to him in Mark 6. And he, Jesus, could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. That's Jesus, guys. The Son of God couldn't do his miracle stuff because of the lack of faith. Hebrews 4.16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Here is my point. Where there is faith, God can move. It's not a guarantee, but where there is faith, that is where God moves. Jack Deere defines faith this way. Faith for healing... Is confidence in Jesus' ability to heal. Isn't that good? Faith for healing is confidence in Jesus' ability to heal. And my friends, for most of you in the room, this is my win for us today. That we as a family, as a community, would begin to move towards faith. Confidence that Jesus can heal, wants to heal, and is still healing today. Not confidence in our ability not confidence in some formula of of having the right amount of faith, but just a little confidence that Jesus could still heal today. That's all that's required. Do we want to do the Jesus stuff? Do we want to do the Jesus stuff, church? I do too. I believe Jesus wants to heal today. I believe he's the same God now as he was then. I believe he's speaking to his children now like he did then. I believe he can heal now like he did then. But do we want it? I'm thinking of Jesus who healed the man at the pool, right? Who's been lame his whole life. He's at the pool, right? And Jesus asks him, Do you want to be healed? Can you imagine being that guy? Of course I want to be healed no, 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 do you really want to be healed? Are you ready for what it will take in your life and the things that will come with it? And I think Jesus is saying that to the church in the West right now. Do you want healing? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to see my supernatural power move? Or do you want to keep playing church? I think that's what he's asking many of us right now. So I want to start wrapping up by just giving us some principles, okay? Seven principles. I know some numbers are really unwelcome in a sermon. Seven's a lot, I know, but I'll go really quick, okay? Seven principles that will help us move towards faith as a community, but will also hopefully guard us in doing this the right way. Because can I just tell you guys, there's a right way to engage with the Holy Spirit. There's a healthy way where people won't get hurt, we can still step into his invitations and see him move. There's a right way. Principle number one, you ready? Hopefully you'll all like this one. I like it. We don't need to hype up the Holy Spirit or be weird for the Holy Spirit to move. I'll read that again. We don't need to hype up the Holy Spirit or be weird for the Holy Spirit to move. Um, I don't know if you've seen those, those clips online of certain churches kind of running around, hitting each other with coats, you know. We're not going to do that here. I'm just going to say that from the get-go, okay? And we don't need to do that here for God to move. If he's going to move, he needs a mustard seed of faith. He doesn't need me kicking someone on stage so for them to fall over and get healed, right? That's not, we're not going to do that here. That was a little dramatic. Sorry, I wouldn't kick someone. That's too much. Hit them with my coat. Okay. Number two, I've said this already. Healing prayer requires faith. So many times in the Gospels, after someone is healed by Jesus, he says to them, what? Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Faith in healing, faith for healing is confidence in Jesus' ability to heal. It is not certainty. It's confidence in him. Very different things. Principle three, only a little faith is required. A mustard seed is really small. That's all that's required. A little bit of confidence that Jesus can heal is all that he needs. A little bit. And and here's another part of this. Faith, you need a little bit of faith in the moment when the lights are on, when the music's playing to pray over someone, right? But we also have to bring our faith to the quiet place where no one's looking, where there's no hype, there's no emotion connected. Like, God, would you heal this person of X, Y, Z? We'll talk about this more in a little bit. Four, sometimes persistence and repetition is required to see healing in someone. Mark 8, verse 22, some people brought Jesus uh, a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. You can laugh. It's, we can laugh. Some of these stories are funny. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Is it working? No. Everyone looks like trees. But now, yeah, I got it. All right. That's Jesus. Sometimes persistence is required. But number five, because we are in Jesus, we can also experience his healing through our suffering. Because you're in Jesus, you can actually experience redemption and healing through your suffering. The goodness of our Father is this, that he will forgive us and give us grace for everything. Everything. Though he may not heal us in everything. Number six, this one's really important. Healing prayer does not negate or replace or compete with modern medicine. This is where it gets scary, where I feel scared fear and weight as a communicator in a talk like this, these two things are not opposed. I would wager that the movement of God through history is what has brought you our modern health care and all the benefits that come with it. They are not opposed. People with a value of life have brought hospital medical care to the point it's in today. Last one, and this I think is more for all of us, if I'm honest. Number seven is this. To see healing move in our community, we have to be willing to look like a fool. We have to be willing to look like a fool. I could tell you stories of people who I have prayed for who have been healed. When I first came here last year in September or October, um, me and a few other people on the team here, we prayed for a woman who was diagnosed with cancer. A week later, we heard she was cured of her cancer completely. Clean bill of health. Those stories are great, but I could tell you so many more stories of when I have prayed for someone and nothing's happened. But when you've seen someone get healed, when you see someone get delivered, something happens to you where you just stop caring so much about how you're perceived and you start moving towards obedience. Because if it gets one time, one person gets healed and I have to look like a fool 99 times, I will do it. Do you want to see healing happen here? You have to be willing to look like a fool. I have confidence in Jesus, my friends, that he wants to begin a healing work in our church. I don't have certainty, but I have faith that he wants to move like this again. I believe if we step into this, some of you are going to be healed in your physical body. I believe if we step into this, some of you are going to experience spiritual healing release from sin and strongholds that have kept you captive for years. Emotional healing, inner healing from your past, ways of seeing yourself that do not align with the loving view of your heavenly father, trauma you've experienced. Jesus can heal you in one word and moment what years of therapy might take you to get to. And lastly, Jesus is going to deliver people. The cultural war we're in is not just a cultural war. It is a war of the principalities against the kingdom of God. It's too dark to be a cultural war, isn't it? And we're going to start seeing if we have faith for it, openness, confidence that Jesus can do it. People move beyond just... Oh, it's great to have forgiveness. It's great to have learning biblical knowledge. No, we want to see people get delivered and released here because He can do it. But are you ready for that? Are you ready, Rice City Church, for the real thing or the comfortable thing? Because they are not the same. To see God move in power is messy and scary. Do you want the real thing or the comfortable thing? They're not the same. Holy Spirit, would you come today? Father, I believe so many of us we have a longing for more. We're done playing church. We want the real thing. God, I'm praying for release today. I'm praying for healing today for whoever's coming through our doors who who has baggage surrounding the movement of the Holy Spirit. Would you, Father, lead us as a church to have a culture of faith? Not certainty, not hype, just belief that you can heal and you want to heal. You can deliver and you want to deliver would today mark a new chapter, a next step in the ministry of your spirit in this place. The ministry of your spirit, Monday through Saturday, happening with normal people, moving the gospel forward in power. God, help us to look like fools for your glory. Remove the fear of man. Give us burning hearts for your kingdom and your work.